Now, I don't know about you guys, uh, but October is, is absolutely one of my most favorite months of the year. Um, not because of the disgusting pumpkin spice flavored everything that kind of infects and infests everything from like bagels to coffee. In fact, I got a picture I came across on the internet I just want to show you of... Now, I, I just want to know which, which of you freaks out there is buying that stuff. All right, we need to have a little chat. Um, now, the reality is I saw that and I, and I looked it up and it's actually a hoax, thank God, uh, that it has not gone that far. But there for sure are many of you who need to repent of the pumpkin spice uh, sins in your heart. Um, and we'll have a time of prayer after the service for you. Um, but I, lo- I, I love October. I know most of you love October as well. The, uh, the leaves that are changing, the cooler weather that's kind of blowing in, really enjoying that, the, the campfires, all that kind of stuff. We, we love it, but I, I love October for all of those reasons, and plus, I love it because it's Missions Month here at New Life. And so if you happen to be new or newer to New Life, this is a month where we just like to kind of hit pause in what we're doing and go back to why we exist and what our purpose is as a church family. Like, why, why do we exist? Now, if you've been here a little while, you should know what our mission statement is. Say it with me. Our mission here is to help people Find and follow Jesus. Really simple, right? We've got a real big vision for our city and for the world. We know that we're called as believers to gather here on Sunday morning to worship King Jesus. And then we're called to scatter, right? To be the church Monday through Saturday in our neighborhoods and in our city. And really to to be the hands and feet of Jesus, both locally and globally out there. Our theme this month is and, so that that word A-N-D, simple, right? And the reason we chose that is because the Bible is full of enlightening contrast that help us understand Jesus and his upside-down kingdom. Think about just some of the prominent themes that we see in Scripture. Praying and giving, right? Sowing and reaping. Going and sending. Giving your life away and finding your life in Jesus, right? Scripture is just full of all of these contrasts, the the both ands in Scripture. So we're just going to be exploring a few of those uh, together this month. And today we're going to be looking at Jesus' call in Luke chapter 9 for his disciples, for you and I, if you're here and you know and love Jesus, uh, to to produce both uh, good news, to proclaim good news in our lives, and also to produce good works, right? So good news and good works, both kind of hand-in-glove things that Jesus calls us to as his follower. And the truth of the matter, I think, is that for most of us, we tend to naturally drift towards one camp or another, don't we? So some of us, uh, uh, by God, we're, we're just natural truth tellers, right? We just tell it like it is, even if nobody wants to hear it. Like, you know who you are out there. That's just how you're wired. You, you just tell it how it is, and maybe for you, so, so sharing the gospel with people is not hard. You find that very easy. But perhaps for you, maybe, maybe not quite as great at at displaying the gospel through good works in a loving way. And then there are others of us who are on the opposite end of the spectrum. We're just kind of more uh, loving and naturally full of grace. And so we love to serve people and we, we love to do nice things for people. And so we're really good at the good works piece, but oftentimes we never actually open our mouths to share the why behind our good works. And so the danger for people in that category is that the people around us can kind of look at us and just assume we're kind of an awesome person and we're just really kind of nice, but they, they never actually encounter Jesus through us because we never open our mouths and that's a tragedy. And so Jesus really, he models both for us, right? 
good news and good works, and he calls us as his disciples to do the same exact thing, good news and good works. It's not, it's not a, it's a both and, not an either or, right? And I think in our culture today, I mean, a lot of people on the fence about both and and either or issues. Now, let's start with one of the most important ones in our culture. I'm going to put a new word up on the screen for you. We're going to talk about how to pronounce this word, all right? Now, this is a big controversy in America in 2021. I've heard uh, persuasive arguments from, from both sides. And so I've decided to, to do a little research, and I did a little research uh, this week. So let me, let me just ask you, how, how many of you are in the camp of people that think that that word is pronounced gif? Raise your hand if you're a gif, gif person, all right? That's, I don't know, maybe a third, maybe 40% of the crowd in the room. Now, how many of you believe that that word should be pronounced, is correctly pronounced gif? Go ahead and raise your hand. A little bit less, but, but pretty similar. How many of you believe that it's either or? You could, they're both correct. How many of you believe that you could go either way? A couple of brave souls, right? But that, that last category was like half of the nine o'clock service, right? So, well, I did some research. It's interesting. The guy who actually coined that term, his name is Steve Wilhite. He's a kind of a computer scientist or something like that. He coined that term in 1987, and a few years ago, they were interviewing this guy, and they said, hey, this is kind of a controversy. You invented the word. How do you actually pronounce it? And he told them how to actually pronounce it correctly. Are you guys ready for it? About to give it to you. Drum roll. All right. The correct way to pronounce that word, according to the dude that invented it, is jif. Jif with a J, like the peanut butter. So all you gif people, go ahead and get on out of here with your messed up pronunciations. It's, you're wrong. Just deal with it. It's jif, all right? Stop saying gif. That is incorrect. All right, so now listen. Unlike the word jif, when it comes to good news and good works, they are both right and necessary in the spiritual journey of the follower of Jesus. Now, I'll show you why. If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it, open it up, turn your phone on, device, iPad, whatever you had, have, and go to Luke chapter 9. That's where we're going to drop anchor and kind of hang out uh, this morning together. Luke chapter 9. Now at this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus has been preparing his disciples. Uh, they, they've been observing his life and ministry. They've been watching as he, he's proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. They've been watching him as he's performed all these incredible miracles and healings and all these kind of things. And now, after a couple of years of watching Jesus, learning uh, at the feet of Jesus what it means to be his disciple, it's, it's now go time for the disciples, right? It's time to implement what they have learned. Now, I can remember when Cheryl and I, right before we went to Southeast Asia, we were going um, to do some mission work over there. We're going to spend a couple of years over there. And so the missions organization that we went with uh, flew us up to Virginia. And so they had this big compound. And we did seven weeks of missionary training. So every day, early in the morning to late at night, man, we learned everything you could possibly think of about cross-cultural ministry. And so we studied cultural norms and we looked at linguistic tendencies and we even had these professional like kidnappers come in and talk, talk us through like how to, how, if we ever get taken hostage, how do, you, how do you deal with that? And if a government takes you hostage, this is what you do. And if a terrorist organization takes you hostage, this is how you deal with it. And so just anything that you could possibly imagine about going on the mission field, they prepared us morning to night for seven straight weeks. But I'm telling you, the day came where it was time for us to stop learning and we had to actually get on an airplane and go and start doing 
Now here, if I'm just being 100% transparent, honest with you, here's my concern with the American church at large. I think it seems to me that far too many of us spend our entire Christian lives learning and training, but never going and doing. For some of us, man, we spend 30 years, 40 years, 50, 60 years following Jesus. Just learning, observing, training, and never, ever going and doing and putting it into practice. And just to use a, a football analogy, it'd be kind of like if a football team got in a huddle and the, the quarterback barked out the play, like, hey, man, guys, we're going to run X, Y, 17 on three, let's, let's go. And then everybody else just kind of around him started talking about the play, like, man, I, that's a beautiful design. I, I, love, I love that the tight end goes out to the flat on that call. I love that I get to run a go route. In fact, let's, let, let's, let's talk a little bit more. Let, let's memorize. Let's memorize this play. Let's talk about it. Let's write books about this play. And they just do that for the entire game, right? They go home and they come back the next week and the quarterback calls another play and they just, they talk about it some more. Like, man, I, I can't believe, I love this play so much too. Just like last week. I love this play. Let's talk about it. Let's memorize it. Let's write books about it. Let's do some studies about it, right? They never actually go out and run the play. That's, I feel like that's kind of what's happening with a lot of churches and a lot of Christians in our country today, right? We come to a place like this. We huddle up on Sundays. We learn. We get equipped. We talk about it. Hey, man, pa the pastor had a good sermon. He was kind of funny this week. Man, the music was really good. I got goosebumps in one of the songs. Man, it was really, really good. And so we come here every week, week after week for our entire lives. We talk about, we learn, we get prepared to live out a gospel-centered life. And then so many of us, we never actually get around to doing it and that's not the design that jesus ever had for his disciples and so in luke chapter 9 we're going to see what Jesus' actual design for you and i if you're a follower of jesus is in this life and so go ahead and go there uh, luke chapter 9 hopefully you're, you're there by now we're going to start in verse 1 this is dr luke a skeptic who became a follower of jesus after investigating his life and his claims this is what he writes and he jesus called the 12, that's the 12 disciples, together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Now, Christian, don't miss this. And this, I'm gonna put this on the screens for you. This is really kind of our big idea. If you're a note taker, write this down. Christian, you have been given the power to run the play that Jesus called. And I think for far too many of us, man, we are, we are crippled in our spiritual effectiveness because of among other things, I think fear of failure, right? We, we, we just, for most of us, it really just kind of freaks us out. The idea that we could open our mouths, that we could share the good news of Jesus with somebody and they could reject us or, or, or mock us or exclude us because of that. And so we, we live just kind of crippled by this, this fear, this social anxiety. And I just want to say this morning, believer, listen, this calling is not about you. It's not about you. It's never been about you. Of course you can't do it on your own. And like That's the whole point. This is Jesus in us and through us, and he can accomplish what he's called us to do, whether that's sharing your faith with a friend or a colleague, or starting a Bible study in your dorm room or with some friends in your local high school. What Jesus has called you to, he will absolutely empower you to accomplish. And so, believer, listen, let's not live stunted Christian lives when Jesus has empowered us for greatness in his kingdom. 
He's given us all that we need to live out this incredible, winsome, radical lifestyle that absolutely changes the world around us. And Luke continues in verse 2, and he says, He, Jesus, sent them out, listen, to proclaim the kingdom of God. There's the, there's the good news piece, but it doesn't stop there, and to heal. So we've got, we've got good news we've got good works, right? So their first assignment, Jesus is sending them out. He says, I want you to go out. I got two things for you to do when you go out. I want you to be about sharing the good news, proclaiming the kingdom of God, but don't stop there. You gotta, you gotta have good works with it. Verse three, he continues. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey. He's, he's trying to build dependence and faith in these, these young guys who are just learning how to follow Jesus. Take no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. Do not have two tunics, only one, right? And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. So they're, they're even having to have faith about where they're going to sleep at night as they go out on this really kind of a mission trip. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, not everybody's going to listen. Not, not everybody's going to be really happy to hear uh, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if you accompany it with good works. That's okay. It's not your job to save somebody. That's his job. It's our job to be obedient, right? To, to share the good news of Jesus, to demonstrate it with our lives. If they receive it, great. That's the Lord's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. If they don't, we move on, right? That, that's kind of the pattern. Verse six, and they departed and went through the villages. And what did they do? Two things, preaching the gospel. So that's the good news piece and healing everywhere. That's the good works piece, so they heard the call from Jesus, right? They had been watching him. They had been learning. All of a sudden, one day, Jesus goes, all right, boys, it's, it's time to run the play. Y'all been watching me for two years. You've been hearing me preach for two years. You've been watching me do incredible good works for two years. Now it's time to go run the play. And here's the play I want you to run as my disciples. I want you to go out into these neighborhoods, into the city that you live in. And I want you to proclaim good news, and I want you to practice good works. That's your job. Proclaim good news, practice good works. And I believe that's exactly, precisely what Jesus is saying to us as his modern day disciples today, right? And that's gonna be kind of truth number one. This will be on the screens for you. Number one from the text, Christian, run the play. <laughs> it's time to get out of the huddle, man. We've been talking about this stuff for too long. Go run the play. Proclaim the good news. Practice good works. We don't need to talk about the play anymore. We need to actually go and run the play. His disciples got to that point, and I think we're at that point as American Christians today. I got, I got to get away with my family just a couple of weeks ago. Got to go down to the South Carolina coast and, and just hang out with my parents uh, on the beach for a week. And it, man, isn't there something just kind of therapeutic about standing on the beach and watching the waves kind of wash in and then flow out. It just seems like everything's kind of right in the world in those moments. And I think there's a, there's a, a lesson there for the church, right? That for the Christian, there also ought to be this, this rhythm in our lives of, of good news and good works, both together in our lives. There ought to be this, this rhythm of, of us gathering like we are right now on Sunday morning to get the play and then to go out Monday through Saturday in the world and run the play. Not just talk about the play 
or appreciate the play or criticize the play, but to go out and actually begin to run the play right where we live, work, and play in our neighborhoods and with people that we know and we love. And so the disciples in Luke chapter nine, they hear this call from Jesus. They obey him. They actually go and run the play. They, they proclaim the good news. They're, they're doing good works. They're healing people and feeding people and all these incredible things out there. So they, they take that step of faith. They trust Jesus. They obey Jesus. And what happens in the city is there, there's, it kind of generates this buzz. Right, where people, people are beginning to talk and they're beginning to notice, like, man, not only is Jesus speaking in power and doing all these incredible things, but, man, his followers now, they're out here in our neighborhoods. They're out here in, in the parks. They're out here in the schools. They're out here everywhere. And they're, they're preaching this, this message about a new kingdom and a new king. And then they're, they're, they're actually practicing this radical lifestyle of giving themselves away to serve other people to love other people, to heal people, to, to take care of the widows and the orphans. Like, and this is, this is incredible. Like, I, I'm not sure what, if I, if I really believe everything they believe, but I can't really deny the, the power of their lifestyle. This is absolutely stunning. And so we actually see this buzz happening beginning in verse seven, even reaches the, uh, the palace. Look at this. Now Herod the Tetrarch, heard about all that was happening. So the buzz is so great. Even leaders in the city are beginning to hear about these Christians in, in a positive way, not a negative way, right? All that's happening. And it says, he was perplexed. Like he couldn't figure out. He's like, man, what, what, what is going on? Why are these people living this crazy lifestyle? And it was said by some that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead by others that Elijah had appeared. They're trying to figure out who Jesus and all these people are these Christian, new Christians, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. And Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him, that is Jesus. Now, the really interesting thing here is even evil people like Herod get curious when they see people proclaim a certain message and then live it out in very radical, countercultural ways. People have questions when they see others point to a resurrected king and then begin to live out a lifestyle of love and self-sacrifice for other people. So listen, church family, what I wanna say is speaking good news and practicing good deeds is such a potent mix that the world, even an unbelieving world, is gonna get kind of curious about it. They're not gonna be able to explain it. They're not gonna be able to ignore it. Now, sadly, I, I'm convinced at this point that one of the reasons the American church Unlike our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, in Africa, in China, places like Iran, South America, the American church, unlike most of the rest of the world, I'm convinced one of the reasons we're not gaining more traction in our culture is precisely because most Christians in our culture are choosing either to proclaim the good news or to practice good works, or sadly, many Christians are doing neither when Jesus has called us to do both simultaneously. And the reality is we want the power of Jesus, we want the results of Jesus that we see in the New Testament without the methods of Jesus. And I'm just telling you, church family, it does not work, it will never work. So let me, let me, let me just say this as, as, as kind of a challenge, but, but in a spirit of love. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online and you would say you're a follower of Jesus, 
But people in your circles of influence aren't oddly curious about your life and your faith. You may need to do a little self-examination to see if you're really practicing these two elements that Jesus said were critical for the life of every believer, gospel proclamation and gospel good works. It's not one or the other. It is both and simultaneously. And one without the other is a mission that is incomplete. And so here's truth number two for you. It'll be on the screens. Gospel proclamation and gospel living stir curiosity in the world. And that's the way that it should be. This is what we want. We want to live in such a radical, winsome way that people have questions. Like, man, why, why is that dude so generous with his money? Why, why is she, she so kind? Why does she give so much of her free time? Like, man, she's volunteering uh, her one day off to, to work with these underprivileged kids or to help these widows or orphans or repaint this public school building that's in shambles and Man, our, our life should cause those kinds of questions to arise in the neighborhoods and the cities in which we live as followers of Jesus. And so this morning, I want you guys to hear from somebody that's a part of our faith family here to hear how they're combining both kind of gospel good works as well as gospel proclamation. And so I'm going to invite Laura Beth Rimmer, wherever you're at, to go ahead and come up here. Let's welcome Laura Beth to the stage this morning. this on yeah here you go now as, as you'll discover in just a minute laura beth like me is is from alabama you'll be able to see the accent but laura beth uh works with ywam Asheville here uh in the city she's also the founder of reshma project which works with anti-trafficking initiatives both in india as well as america and so i've just asked laura beth to share a little bit about um how they're marrying gospel good news proclamation with good works so laura beth why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing Yes, so Youth with a Mission here in Asheville, one, like our focuses are on training people into missions, but also evangelism and mercy ministries. And one of the facets of mercy ministries is I head up our anti-trafficking ministry. And so that looks like walking women out of the sex trade industry and into a sustainable lifestyle. And so really we have the opportunity to show good works to these women by professional counseling, having a safe space for them to live in, job training, because a lot of them have never experienced any other trade, education for those who are illiterate. And as we journey with them, we're able to share Jesus along the journey with them. And at most times, you'll see that the women end up loving Jesus and sharing Jesus with other people because he's seen that he's the missing piece of the puzzle for them. They've experienced that emotional freedom, that physical freedom, but they need that spiritual freedom as well because that makes up who we are as humans. And another way that we get to do that here in Asheville is we reach out to the traveler community. And so we take Indian food on the streets of Asheville and we sit and we eat with the travelers and we just share hearts. We share the, our testimonies, the story about who we are. And it's amazing to see Jesus move through these moments as we physically feed them, they're hungry, then they want to listen. So oftentimes we see that the good works is a way to lead into sharing who Jesus is. So I just wanna share a quick story about a guy here in Asheville. His name is Trader Bill, that's his street name. And we've known him for about the last four years. And when we first met him, we would give him Indian food on a weekly basis, and we would just sit and talk with him. And then he began to get more curious about who we actually were, and he would start asking spiritual questions. Now, Trader Bill comes up to our space in downtown Asheville about once a week and just sits and has coffee with our staff team. 
He reads like books that we have on hand and just asks a bunch of spiritual questions. And he's come to know Jesus through this process of building relationship with him, giving him food, giving him good coffee. And me as someone who is more on the good works side of things, you know, fighting injustice all the time, it can be very easy to stay in that humanitarian place. But if we're not sharing Jesus with them, the Buddhist down the street could do the same thing. And it's not really going to change anyone's eternal prospect. So that for us is huge, as we have to marry the two together. They go hand in hand always. And do you, Laura Beth, do you think that uh, you, what you guys were doing would be as effective if, if you were just doing one or the other rather than both together? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely Yes, choose not. one. Chris yes, is wrong. Anyone. No, absolutely not. It has to go hand in hand because, like I was saying, it, it goes to who we are as humans, we are made up of spirit, we're made up of emotions, we're made up physically. And if those things are not married together, what are we doing? We're missing a huge piece of the puzzle. So we have to do both. Amen, amen, that's beautiful. Thank you, Laura Beth, let's give her a hand. Good news, married with good works. Not one or the other both stand together. That is the call of Christ for his disciples. In fact, I think a, maybe a healthy way for us to kind of think about this, a healthy interplay of, of good news and good works would, would be uh, this. this. I'll put this on the screens for you as well. Uh, and this is, goes right back to what Laura Beth just said. Good works opens the door for good news. Right? You guys maybe have heard the famous quote from Theodore Roosevelt, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And it, isn't that true? I mean, the reality is, and we, we could all become like the best Bible scholars in the world. We could memorize the entire Bible. We could, we could quote Bible verses to everybody we meet. But if we're, we do that in kind of a cold spirit, where people don't sense that we actually know them as human beings and care about them physically, emotionally, spiritually, I think our message is going to fall on deaf ears. And so good works opens up the door to good news. That's why we do good works as believers. We wanna open up that door so we can share eternal uh, good news with folks. Now, I could tell story after story of, of kind of just ways I've seen this uh, fleshed out in our church body through many years of ministry. I'll just tell you one story uh, quickly and, and we'll move on. But I've got a friend uh, named John who um, was, a, was a missionary in Afghanistan when 9-11 happened and, and, and just all that stuff. And um, so the American embassy told all Americans to evacuate uh, uh, Afghanistan in, in 01 because we were about to just bomb the entire country. And um, so everybody, every American cleared out except for my friend John. He decided to stay uh, against uh, everything that the government was telling him to do. And um, he was right outside of uh, Kabul in this really poor, poor village. And what he was doing every single day, he was single at the time, he would go out and he would bring all this food in. He would feed hungry villagers. He would get them uh, clean sources of water where they didn't have clean sources of water. He would love on their kids. He built relationships with them. The only American in the entire city, and he just really demonstrated God's love, the love of Jesus, through good works, and so what happened one day was the Taliban got, got word that John was, that the American was, was still in Afghanistan and they came and they, of course, were going, going to execute him. And as soon as the Taliban got to the village, they said, hey, we, we heard that there's an American here. 
uh, bring him out. The entire village heard the Taliban was there, and they got there, and they made a human blockade between the Taliban and John and said, he's one of us now. To get to him, you're going to have to kill all of us. Now, miraculously, because certainly they could have wiped out the whole village. They're known for doing atrocities like that. Uh, but they, they left. And so for the next 10 years, for the next decade, John stayed there. He worked. He helped plant countless underground Afghani churches. He helped disciple hundreds and hundreds of new Afghani believers. He's now uh, in the States in Texas working in a ministry there. But what I want you to see there is that it was John's good works that opened the door for good news. And that oftentimes is how it works in Jesus' kingdom, right? Our, our good works set up the opportunity for us to speak good news into people's lives. Now, I want you to know, as a church, we're going to have a practical opportunity together to engage in some of this. In just a few weeks, kind of the end of uh, October, beginning of uh, November, we're going to have a citywide event called Serve Asheville. If you've been here a few years, you probably remember we've done that in the past. And this is an event where we're going to partner with several local area churches. And for an entire week, we're just going to spread across the city doing good works in the name of Jesus. So starting next week, you're going to have an opportunity to sign up in the loop. That's our e-letter. You're going to have an opportunity to sign up on our website. So let me, let me just encourage you now to begin thinking about, let me encourage you to sign up, participate in Serve Asheville. Good works matter because they open the door for good news. Now, if, if good works open the door for good news, here's the second part on the screens for you. Good news opens the door to abundant life. Now, I want you to look at me for a second, church family. This is, this is important, and this isn't popular in today's culture, and yet it's, it's absolutely true. God has made a way to himself. You need to understand that. God, God has made a way to himself. God has made one way, and that way is through his son, Jesus. And I want you to understand, it's important for us to understand in a pluralistic culture and society that tells us this is not true. The words of Jesus ring true throughout history. Listen, guys, there is no other way. Jesus himself was abundantly clear about this. In John 14, he said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no person comes to the Father except through who? through Buddha, through atheism, through being a good person, from having a lot of good vibes. No, none of that. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. There is one single solitary way to the Father, and that is through Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so, believer, we must never stop at good works. We must Listen, guys, we must muster the courage, even if our voices tremble, to open our mouths and tell them the why behind the what. To share the Savior behind the good works. And this is why as a pastor, man, I, I'm just telling you, I get concerned because I see a lot of churches, and some of their pastors are my friends, um, and, and they're doing a lot of good stuff, man. They're, they're working in, in their downtown, in their cities, they're uh, volunteering at homeless shelters or going down to Haiti and they're building orphanages and they're going to Africa and they're drilling water wells and all stuff that we do here and all stuff that we should be doing as believers. But listen, far too many of them stop there. 
And so I see them, man, and they're, they're all kind of like high-fiving each other for all the good works that they've done without ever one single time opening their mouths to share with the people that they're ministering to of the Savior who can not only provide them clean drinking water in this life, but who also offers them eternal water for their souls in the life to come. I just want to say, church, family, may that never be true of us at New Life. Never. It's always got to be word and deed married together. It's got to be good news and good works together, hand in glove, like peanut butter and jelly. And I, I also had, I had to mark this out uh, after last night. I had roll tide and trophies, but I had to X that out. So, but things that go together, gospel good works proclamation of the good news. They go together. We can't choose one or the other, the one we're most comfortable with. It's both together. Always has been, always will be in the kingdom of Jesus. Now, right after Jesus sends his disciples out to proclaim and heal, this, uh, they come back and they're, they're, I would imagine, real pumped up, right? Because this was really scary. They go out, they obey Jesus. They see really cool things happen. They come back and this huge crowd is gathered, Right? The Bible, tell, Luke 9, tells us uh, 5,000 men. That's not counting the women and children. So a lot of scholars are thinking probably in the neighborhood of 20,000 people. It's just unimaginable crowds, especially for, for those days. They're out there to hear Jesus. And hey, man, he's preaching the coming kingdom of God to them. They bring their sick. He's healing their sick. Finally, it gets kind of late and everybody's hungry. It's kind of dinner time. And so the disciples come to Jesus. They're like, hey, Jesus, we need to get these guys out of here. All right, there, there are a lot of people here. They're getting hungry. This is gonna be a, a PR nightmare, right? If, if we have 20,000 people, people are gonna be tweeting about it. We gotta get these people home to hotels. We, can't, we don't have enough food. And Jesus is just kind of like, <laughs> all right, yeah. How, how much food do we have here, right? And they're like, man, we just got a couple of little fish, got a few little loaves. Jesus like, boys, watch this. Yeah. Why don't y'all, why don't y'all get the crowd, 20,000 people, get them to break up in the circles of 50. I'm gonna pray over this. We're gonna feed everybody right? And he does. And everybody feasts, right? Jesus feeds all of them, all 20,000 of them. And in fact, the Bible tells us, Luke tells us, there's actually basketfuls of food that are left over, even after all of that. And here's what I think the disciples learned that particular day. Here's what I think Jesus wants us to learn today. This is the last point, number three on the screens. Oftentimes, the miracle is on the other side of the obstacle. Oftentimes the miracle's on the other side of the obstacle and far too few of us ever get to the miracle because we're too intimidated of the obstacle in front of us. And you can't see the miracle, you can't see the blessing, you can't see the 20,000 people being fed, but Jesus can. And all he's asking you to do is to trust him and to obey him, listen guys, even when it doesn't make sense. Now, I know a lot of you, you're probably out there thinking like, okay, Chris, man, that sounds great on paper, preacher boy, that's, that sounds good. But in, in practical life, I'm working with real people, I'm going to school with real people, and they are hostile to the gospel. If I start, if I start doing good works and then trying to back it up by, by sharing good news, this is not gonna go well for me. This is, this is scary, Chris. What, what, what if I open my mouth and my friends reject me? What if my coworkers at work begin to mock me? What if I get uninvited from the neighborhood cookouts because I'm the weird Jesus freak living in the neighborhood or the apartment complex? And I just wanna say, look, I, I, I get that. I feel that, that tension in, in my heart every single day. I'll just be real transparent with you for a moment. 
by, by nature, I, I'm an introvert, right? That, that's just, which is, it's so ironic that I've, God called me to do what I'm, what I'm doing now because this is not what I ever would have imagined for myself being in front of lots of people every single week. But, but by nature, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. Now, that, that doesn't mean that I don't like people. That doesn't mean that I, I don't like talking. But what it does mean, and, and if you're an introvert in here, you'll understand what I'm saying. I hate small talk, right? Like, just, just punch me in the throat. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk to a stranger about the weather, you know, or, or whatever. I don't know. And so I'm just telling you, I'm the dude that will look out my window before I go check the mail to make sure none of my neighbors are out there, right? And I hustle to go get it. Because I don't want, I, I hate small talk, right? So, so listen, I understand, I understand this tension. I know it's hard. I know it's uncomfortable. I know, I know it kind of grinds against everything. It grinds against our comfort level. We don't really, we don't really like it. I, listen, I, I, I get it. And I think if you're in that camp with me, where this is, this is hard stuff for you. I think Jesus would say this to us, and we'll finish up with this. This is Luke 9, starting in verse 23. He said this. And he said to all, that's Jesus speaking, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? For whoever is, and this is important, listen to this guy. This, this is not me, this is the words of Jesus. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. That's serious, folks. Let me, let, let, me, let me just say that the good news, the awesome thing about all of this is that if you're here and you're a follower of, of Jesus like I am, listen guys, we have been invited into the most amazing adventure on planet earth. I mean, think, think about it guys, we, we get to join King Jesus, right? the king of the universe on his mission of reconciling people who are far away from him and bringing them near to the king so they can experience abundant life now and in the life to come. This is important. This is huge. And it's exciting, man. We can learn so much when we step out in faith and we obey Jesus, even when it's hard, even when it's scary, even when our voices tremble, right? And we see him do amazing things in and through us. And so I just wanna close quickly with a two-part challenge for those of you who are here as followers of Jesus, here's the first part of the challenge. Christian, who can you share the good news with this week? Not next month, not next year, not when somebody knocks on your door and says, tell me about Jesus, because that's probably never gonna happen. Who can you share the good news with this week? Now, now some of you already know because a face popped into your brain or a name popped into your mind, and you're like, oh God, no, not them. Give me, give me another one. Some of you already know exactly who it is. For some of you, it's a classmate. For some of you, it's an old friend. It's a neighbor. It's an estranged relationship with somebody. Church family, let me just encourage you to have the boldness. Make the phone call this week. Set up the coffee date this week. Send that email. Send that private message. And let me just say, you don't have to be like uber spiritual weird about it either, right? You don't have to freak people out. You could just say something like, listen, I, I, I need you to know that the one thing that has made all the difference in my life 
is Jesus. Like, I'm not, I'm not this awesome person. <laughs> the one thing that's made the most difference in my life is getting to know Jesus, and I think that he could do the same thing for you. I'd love to just, not in a weird way, but I'd just like to share my story with you. I'd also just encourage you, look for, look for pain points in people's lives. It's amazing how many times people who are completely close to spiritual things Pain or tragedy enters their life, right? They get that bad diagnosis from the doctor. A loved one dies. A marriage is on the rock. Something like that happens. And all of a sudden, they're, they're very open to spiritual realities and truth. And it's in those pain points where I think we as believers have a great opportunity to step in. And Listen, I'm shocked how many times, if you just ask somebody who's going through a hard time, if you can pray for them, whether they're Christian or Buddhist or atheist, I, like 90 plus percent of the time, if they're walking through a hard time, you ask them if you can pray for them, they're like, oh, pl- yes, please. They're just looking for, for comfort. They're looking for answers. Man, find those pain points in people's lives that are around you, people that you work with, people that you know, and just insert the glorious good news of the gospel. It's not hard, guys. There's, there's a God in heaven who loves you, who sees your pain, who sees your tears, I know him personally. I'd love to introduce you to him. He can revolutionize your life. And so that's, that's challenge number one. Find one person that you could share the good news with. Here's the second part of that challenge. What good work can you do to point someone to Jesus this week? So not only do, do, am I asking you to kind of open your mouth and share, even though it's intimidating, I'm asking you to find one practical thing, one good work that you could do for somebody that would point them to Jesus Christ. And so just ask yourself creative questions like, is there a single mom that lives in my neighborhood that could use a helping hand? Who knows, what childcare or maybe she needs her grass cut or whatever it is, right? Is there, is there somebody in my neighborhood? Is there somebody in my life? Is there, is there a kid at school that, that doesn't have a good home life, doesn't have friends, and I can invite them in and show them the love of Jesus even though they're completely rejected and ostracized at school? Is there a local school right around your neighborhood that could use a little fresh landscaping or a fresh coat of paint, man? Church, let's get creative. Jesus is calling us to run the play, to find ways to get involved and proclaim good news of his kingdom and actually practice good works. And so, church family, let's begin to do that this week for the good of our city and for the glory of our king. And let me just say before we pray and sing, if you're here, if you're online and you have not yet trusted Jesus, I just want you to know that's step one. If you haven't trusted Jesus, man, I don't, I don't, I don't really care how, how, how much you've been in church or how much of the Bible you know. If you've never surrendered your life to him, that's step one. Like you, you, can't walk, you can't walk before you crawl and you can't run before you walk. That, that's step one. You've got to pledge your allegiance to him. You turn from your sin and ask him to send his Holy Spirit to live in you and to guide you and to direct you and to convict you. He absolutely can change you from the inside out. That's so many of our stories. Don't be fooled by walking in here thinking everybody's got all their stuff figured out and this is just a room of really religious, holy people. No, man, we are all busted and broken. We've all got past. We've all got messy junk in our lives. It's only by the grace of Jesus that we are who we are now. And it's still a journey and it's still a struggle. But if you've never crossed that threshold of faith and given your life to Jesus and said yes to him and no to everything else, let me encourage you, that's step one. When we pray in just a minute, let that be your prayer. Just cry out to him and say, Jesus, the best way I know how, 
I don't have a bunch of spiritual flowery words. I just, I want to follow you. I'm tired of living life my way. I'm to, tired of chasing my dreams, and I just want to give you my life. I want you to send your Holy Spirit to live in me, to guide me, to, to direct me. And the word promises us that if we pray that prayer in faith, that Jesus will deliver on that promise, that he will save us, that he will redeem us, that he will make us a son, daughter of the kingdom, that he will send his spirit to live in us and guide us. So that's his promise to us. And so let me just say, man, if that's you, today's your day. Don't leave here, don't log off until you've prayed that prayer and you've begun that journey with Jesus. And reach out, let somebody know, let me know. We'd love to walk that path with you. Let's pray and then we're gonna sing. Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you. And I'm, I'm grateful that even though the play you've given us to run is really hard and it's really intimidating and it feels really daunting, I'm, I'm grateful, God, that you've promised to give us the power to accomplish it. That You've given us the power through your Holy Spirit to be obedient to exactly what it is that you've called us to do, to, to be living a life both of gospel proclamation as well as gospel good works that point others to you, God. And so would you help us not to choose one or the other, the one that we're most comfortable with, God, but that we would embrace both sides of that coin, good news and good works, hand in glove, together, and God, would you remind us when it seems really daunting and really intimidating, would you remind us that in your kingdom, the miracle is often on the other side of the obstacle. It's often on the other side of the mountain and we can't see it yet, but all you want us to do is to trust you, to have faith and to obey you, God. So would you help us to do that even when we're scared, even when it's hard, even if our voices tremble, help us to be about good works and good news for your sake and for your glory. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, let's stand and let's sing.